Thank you for listening to our messages online. Today, Pastor Scott concludes our Season of Purpose series in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. How are you today? All right, all right. Good to see you. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Today, we're going to finish up what we will call a Season of Purpose. This is where we've been for a while. We're going to finish this up. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6. Last chapter in this letter, page 979, if you want to follow along in this Bible sitting in front of you. As we finish this up today, that means next week we'll start a new season. With a new season next week, we're going to set back our clocks. I'm very grateful that now our phones just automatically do that for us, right? We don't have to figure out which way we send the clock. It just, it will do that for us. You won't be late uh, because... Your nice little iPhone's going to do that for you. But with the start of a new season, that I don't remember if that means things are getting lighter or darker or when. But, you know, it's a season of change. And so we're going to go from a season of purpose where we have been starting next week to a season of grace. Season of grace. And we are going to, for the next couple months, consider this value of ours at Willamette Community Church, grace, this God-giving a gift to us. And as we understand more of what God has done for us and how we get to receive that, we're going to talk about how we are called to extend that same grace and that same compassion to others. And so a couple things that will be happening in the next couple months is we're going to have a season in the season of grace where we talk about these two words, Christmas compassion. If you've been with us for years, you know that Christmas compassion uh, is something we've done for about 20 years. If you're new to this, let me just tell you a little bit what we're doing. If you're say, I know this, I want to give you a new little wrinkle to this uh, that will help make this Christmas compassion a little more purposeful this year. Uh, typically what we'll do, and we'll do this on November 18th, we're going to take a special offering. And with our special offering, we want to show compassion and grace in our community. We do this with food and blessing this way. We also set aside this missions special offering to bless a church and a community we've had a relationship with in Mexico. And then some of this special offering will go to the west coast of Africa where we have started a church and a school. We've put in 10 different water wells over there. And so we're going to take that special offering November 18th. I want you to prepare your heart, prepare your budget for that. Then we do this little thing in our community called Christmas Compassion. It's actually not little. What we have done is we've collected roughly 120 boxes of goods from us, and we get blankets and, and goodies, and then we look to bless our community with that. This year, to make it a little more purposeful, we're going to add this wrinkle to this. Of the 120 boxes that we're planning to put together and give away, we will give 30 of those. We'll designate 30 of those to people that we don't know, people that uh, we don't know who they're going to. But that leaves 90 boxes, and what I want you to start doing is we are going to have 90 boxes that 90 of you will deliver to 90 people or families that you know. We're going to make this a little more purposeful. Instead of say, let's send it to some strangers, and there are plenty of those in our community. We want to empower you to live missionally here and start thinking and asking God, God, who would you want me to give a box of food and goodies to in our community? And so we want to empower you to be missional. We want you to think of people in your neighborhood that you know that you, with a box of food, could get into their door and, and have a greater conversation with them about life, ultimately about God. Maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody you go to school with. Maybe it's somebody in your family, but we want 90 of you to come up with the name that God has put on your heart, and then the 90 of you, each of you will take one box and deliver it to that coworker, that neighbor, that classmate, or that family member. And so what we want to do is we want to empower you to be missional. We want to empower you to get into the door and say, you know, we believe that God is gracious, and especially this time of year, and we want to bless you. And hopefully we would have deeper conversations than we've even had in previous years. And so we want this to be highly missional, highly purposeful, because this is where we have been the last couple months talking about 
our purpose. And so what I, I'm not going to ask you to write down a name today. I'm going to ask you to pray about that this next week. And as God puts a name on your heart, you, we are going to send out 90 missionaries to work on a relationship with somebody maybe you've started a relationship with already. Maybe that neighbor that you know their name, but you haven't been in their home or you haven't invited them into your home. So I'm going to ask each of you to ask God. Next week, we'll start signing up. Who has the Lord placed on your heart that you would like to give a box to as a purposeful way to be more missional, talk about the incarnation of God becoming man, and now we get to incarnationally show that love of God to others. And so if you would pray about that this week, next week we will start signing you up for that. All right, that's enough about where we're headed in the next few weeks. Today, let's get into Ephesians chapter 6. I've entitled this message, I'm in a battle. I'm in a battle. I'd like you to repeat that phrase after me. I'm in a battle. Say that to a person sitting next to you. I'm in a battle. And I don't know what battle you're thinking about. You're thinking, I got a few of them. I want you to see today that there is even a greater battle than the one that you probably just thought of when you said, I'm in a battle. You might be thinking a battle with your health. You might be thinking about a battle with the person you're sitting next to. You might be thinking of some kind of a battle about work this next week. But I want you to see that there's even a greater battle going on today that you are a part of. And so we're going to read from Ephesians, apply this to our purposes. Let me quickly review our purposes, where we've been the last few weeks, the last couple months. Because our purposes come out of this idea of who God is, what he has accomplished. In light of that, what has he called us to do? And so in light of who God is, in light of what he has done... We're asking this question, why am I here? Why has God given me breath in my lungs? Go ahead and take a deep breath this morning if you haven't. God has given you breath today for a purpose. You're not an accident to him. You are not meaningless. He has a purpose for you. We've been talking about some of these. So let's rewind real quickly and review these. One, I was made to worship God. I was made to worship him. As you read chapters 1, 2, and 3, and as you read the first part of this letter, there are so many things God has done. There is so much about who he is. And our response is to just respond to him, see him as completely worthy, to magnify him, to glorify him, to praise him, and to realize, God, this whole life is about you. And this is what worship is. It's not just breaking into song, but it's simply saying, God, this life that you've given me is about you. We're called to worship him. Secondly, I was made to belong to his family. Now, we are all individuals, and sometimes you would hear, well, we're all children of God. We are all creations of God. And so, but because of our sin, Jesus had to come. When we believe in Jesus as our Savior, we actually at that point become children, sons, and daughters of the Most High God. And so God has made us to be part of his family. Some of you need to believe so that you can belong to his family. Being good enough will not get you into his family. Believing in the work of Jesus Christ will get you into his family. But once you become a part of this family, he says, belong to this family, connect to this family, commit to this family. And so we've been talking about that purpose. Third, I was made to grow in Christ's likeness. I was made to grow in Christ's likeness. God did not create babies just to stay in the baby stage. He says, I don't want you to be a thumb sucker all of your life. I want you to grow up. I want you to grow up into maturity that you'd look more and more like my son Jesus. And so God does work in us. And he says, partner with me. Come on. I'm growing you up to be like my son. I want you to pursue that as well because I have other jobs for you. And you can't do them when you're spiritually immature. We talked about the fact that I was made to serve God and others. How in Ephesians chapter 2, we are a purposeful poem that he created each of us individually. And you have your background and your experience and your passions and your personalities. And he's made you specifically the way you are to be where you are, who you are, to be his light. 
God has designed you for this, to serve him, to serve others. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And then lastly, we talked about I was made to live missionally, to live a certain way, to walk a certain way, to invest, to not only be a disciple of Jesus, but to help make disciples of Jesus, to live on this same mission. Now, this is where we have been for the last few weeks, and we have talked about the fact how God is at work. I've asked you to consider how God has been at work in your life because I know that he has. And so some of you told me some stories. I asked you to write a 100-word stories. Many of you did this. And many of you shared those stories. And I was just so blessed. And they just kept coming in and coming in. And I could see from my vantage point and from the staff and the elders seeing some of these stories that, yes, God is at work. He is making us worshipers. He is making us family. He's growing us up in Christ. He's causing us to serve. He's causing us to live missionally. And I thought, man, these stories are just too good. You have to hear some of them today. So I'm going to, in just a moment, invite some of these people to come up here. But I'm just going to say this. If you've written a story, share it. Share it. Share it with somebody in your community group. Take somebody out to lunch or coffee and share it with them. Send it to your kids. Just share your story. Because it's really not about you. It's just giving praise and glory to God that he's at work in your life. Don't just send it to me and say, hey, I've sent it to you. I'm done with this. It's not about me. Your story is to glorify God. So keep sharing your stories. Somebody put theirs on Facebook and said, here's my story. That's a great place. Just share your story and God will be honored. But I want you to hear a few stories from some people who said, I'll read mine today. So those seven of you, I think it's seven of you, come on up here, please. Let's welcome them up onto the stage this morning. Now these stories, they're just like yours. They're ordinary and yet completely beautiful. As I was looking at this, I thought there's, there's stories about worship and there's stories about family and stories about growing and serving and living missionally. And yet you will even hear, as we talk about a battle that we're in today, you'll, you'll hear the battle in each of these lives because we're all in a battle. But let's start with Anton. Lead us off, big buddy. Hi, my name is Anton, and uh, God is doing amazing things in my life right now. Uh, God guided me into the Adult and Teen Challenge program so we could fix my life. That was a complete mess. Uh, And on the way there, I got introduced to Christ, and I got saved. (laughs) Since then, God put new friends in my life that are healthy to be around. God is also restoring my relationships with my family, too. And on September 9th, 2018, I got baptized in water. (laughs) I am so happy for what God is doing in my life. I can't wait to see what God has planned next. God bless. Hello, I'm Kathleen, a child of God. I have been attending church here for about a year now, and it took only a few Sundays to know that I had found my home. Linda and Rowan instantly made me feel welcomed, were supportive, and a huge help to me when I was struggling to find a job. I've made new friends and called upon them to pray with me, along with helping my family and I in times of need, because that is what family members do for one another. WCC has benefited me through Sunday sermons, Bible studies, women's retreat, community groups, and even tickets to see David Crowder. Just this week, I was blessed by God through the fellowship fund. Jesus showed me that we are not to try and do it all on our, on our own. He made us to love one another and help one another. It could be as simple as just asking. Good morning. I'm Vicki Ike. Um, As my husband Lee and I and our friends were walking across a bridge in Basel, Switzerland three weeks ago, two men passed us handing out a pamphlet written in German with the name Jesus written boldly across the top. We stopped and said, well, we knew Jesus, and they asked if we were Christians. Of course we said yes. We asked where they went to church, and they told us they have to do home church because there are so few Christians in their country. 
It was so exciting for them and for us to meet new brothers and sisters in Christ and be encouraged. After we prayed together for them amid so many passers-by, I know they felt uplifted and empowered to keep on sharing the love of Jesus to a dark place. The blessing of praying with these men has been a reminder to me of what a call and need it is to continue to lift up our fellow believers who labor in the name of Jesus. Hi, I'm Casey. Um, Alice, falling through all the clocks as they tick past, all the while falling from grace. Busy, running, finding herself in Wonderland. She wore the crown, or so she thought. In Wonderland, the kingdom is yours. Call it what you want. You build the castles. The Mad Hatters and Treasure Cats all had the truth of Wonderland. Shattered dreams boarded up into broken towers where a castle used to stand. Still, Alice keeps building, ignoring the warning signs. So lost in the lies of Wonderland and all its circus, her castle crumbled overnight. The rains washed through Wonderland, the castle in pieces swept through the streets. God, keep my head above water, Alice screams. He guides the waters, waves rush in, her kingdom washed up. She holds her breath now. God uses the waves to bring her back home. He meets her. She falls to her knees a crown now in pieces in her hands. She lost the war with herself. God grabs her tight, brings her back to love, mercy, and his grace once again. Alice stands there, nothing left. No more clocks, the Mad Hatters and treasure cats have all gone away. Nothing but the quiet where she finds a comfort in his arms. She knows now it was never her kingdom. Unsteady she stands with a head full of with a heart full of hope, unsteady she stands her heart in his God's hands. Hi, good morning. My name is Scott Brayton. Uh, in the spring of this year, the Lord started asking me what I was doing in my life to glorify him. Uh, those of you that know me understand I love to spend time outdoors probably more than I should. This is a great blessing that the Lord has provided in my life, but he was letting me know I wasn't doing enough for him. It moved to the point where he was waking me in the night to discuss this. What I was being called to, I wasn't sure. Late in the summer, a staff member mentioned to me about a biblical counseling class that he and some others were taking, and if I'd be interested. I was wondering if this was what I was being called to. That was the last I had heard about it. Satan started to play games with me, saying, you can't do that. It's only for staff members. That's why they're not letting you know more about it. Of course, God had established this habit of waking me at 3 a.m., and he was telling me, Google it up, find out where it's at, research it, do it on your own. Satan was telling me, don't waste your time. I ended up not registering to the class until the night before it started. It's a blessing to stand here before you this morning and tell this story, and hopefully I'm on my way to becoming better equipped to glorify our Father. Good morning, I'm Gino. And I have dubbed my little reading, uh, Growing in Waiting for Showing. The last couple months have been gloomy with unsatisfied search for joy in my life. Each awakening day starts the same way, asking myself, why do you feel so broken? Then comes the feel of guilt for not being happy enough with the countless blessings he has continually bestowed on me. At first, I blame the devil, <clears throat> and he may very well be partially to blame. But then, through various songs, sermons, devotions, and his word, I put my trust and faith that God is at work growing me and is taking his perfect time in showing me. Hi, my name is Tanya. God is working in my life showing me that I have lost focus. And the book of Ephesians has been the wake-up call I've needed to put my priorities back in order. I was created to glorify God by putting him first, not my phone games, walking a dog, figuring out what's for dinner, etc. God has helped me move into the direction of serving others by volunteering to be a greeter on Sunday mornings. This ministry provides opportunity to meet, 
to greet new and returning faces with a welcoming smile, a kind word, answer questions, and offer them the morning worship program. It is by his grace that I have been saved and adopted into his family. Therefore, it is my responsibility to grow in godliness, making myself available to serve and to move with the mission by investing my time into the lives of others. Oh, can we just thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Tanya. This is why you have to share your stories with each other. I got many of those, and those are blessings, but share those with each other, and and you'll find out, okay, there are others in the battle with me. This is what I want to talk about today as we look at Ephesians chapter 6 and finish this passage, that this life is actually a spiritual battle. This life is a battle. This is what I want you to think through with me as we read the end of this letter, that life is actually a spiritual battle. There's a fight, this fight that is unseen in so many ways. Now, there are a lot of fights that you have that you see. There are fights that you have with your health, and you can see that and feel that. And there are fights that you have in your relationships, and you can see that and feel that. But there is a much greater battle going on in every single one of our lives that we cannot see. We're not. F- and so let me read to you Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Follow along as I read a few verses here. Paul says, finally, I've been sharing some great things with you in the last five chapters. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let's just stop there for a second and consider that. It says your fight's not a physical one. Yeah, you have some physical ailments, and there are those, and there are some people you see eyeball to eyeball, and you think that some of your fight is with that, but your greatest fight is not that. Your greatest fight is an invisible spiritual battle. And I want you to know this, as Paul is writing this, in essence he's saying, on my own I am weak and inadequate. Write this down if you would. On my own I am weak and inadequate. This is important for us to understand today in this battle. And it shouldn't be surprising. Because in chapter 2, he said this, As for you, and he's talking to Christians, As for you, you were dead in your sins. You were dead in your sins. It's not that you were just kind of bad and you needed a little bit of help. But spiritually, you were dead. But God, who is rich in mercy, he made you alive with Christ. And he's saying this battle that you're in, on your own, you're weak. In your, on your own, you are inadequate. And here's what we're going to have to understand today. That as believers in Jesus, even as new creations in Christ, we are weak and inadequate for this battle on our own. On our own. In Exodus chapter 15, the guys are going through a study in the book of Exodus. Moses is leading this nation of Israel. Maybe it's two million people. They get to the Red Sea. The Egyptians are coming hot on their tail. God opens up the Red Sea. They go through. The water's piling up on the sides. They get through. They get on dry land. The Egyptians start coming in. God, in his judgment against that nation and against their false gods, destroys them. Moses gets to the other side, and he breaks out into a happy dance and a song. All right? And his song includes these words at the very beginning, the Lord is my strength. Do you want to say that with me? The Lord is my strength. And he's just doing a happy dance. He's like, you won't believe what just happened. I could not have done this on my own. I can't leave these people. I couldn't make the waters do this. And he said, the Lord is my strength. One more time. The Lord is my strength. 
You see, on your own, you're weak and inadequate. But when the Lord is your strength, oh, we can fight this battle. A couple chapters later, it talks about their first battle as a nation. And Moses says this, Joshua, go get some people. We don't have a national army, but just go get some people. We're going to go fight. I'm going to stand up on top of this hill, and I'm going to raise this staff that uh, by the power of God, when I raised it, the sea was parted, and I'll hold this up. And they were winning as he was holding this up. And after a while, he was like, man, my arm's getting tired holding this stick up. I'm just going to put my arms down for a bit. And they started losing He's like, okay, I'll put it back up. I'll put it back up. And before long, he's getting really tired. And so he's got one guy on his side named Aaron holding this arm up. And a guy named her, a boy named Sue, a guy named her holding up the other arm. And they're winning. And so Moses is doing his part. Aaron's doing his part. Her is doing his part. Joshua's doing his part. The whole army's doing their part. Ultimately, God's the hero of this. And on their own Joshua's inadequate. On his own, Moses is inadequate. His arms are going to get tired. On your own in this battle, you're weak and inadequate. This is why Moses says, the Lord is my strength. This is why Paul says, finally, verse 10, be strong in the Lord. Look at it again with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I want to share a few thoughts with this because in order to live out what God has called us to live, in order to be the worshipers he's called us to be, in order to be the family members he's called us to be, in order to be growing up in Christ as he's called us to be, in order to grow up as servants and missionaries the way God has called us to be, write this down if you would, I need to be continually strengthened in Christ. I need to be continually strengthened in Christ. This is what Paul says. Now you're looking at your Bible there and it says, be strong. And you might start thinking that means, okay, be tough. All right, a guy of my stature hears, be strong. And it's like, hey, that ain't going to happen. All right, some of you might be thinking, be strong. But really what he's saying here, these words imply you need to be strengthened and it needs to be continual. You need to allow God to strengthen you. You're in a battle for your heart, for your soul. There's an enemy that's trying to kill and steal and destroy And you have to allow God to strengthen you. And you have to allow this to happen over and over and over. It's not just when you believed in Jesus at age four or when you believed in Jesus last year, you're good. Yes, you're on the victorious side. But you have this responsibility to allow God to strengthen you, continually strengthen you over and over and over. When we were kids... We had maybe a parent help us learn how to tie our shoes, and they did that with us. And before long, we got to the point where we were like, leave me alone. I can do it myself, right? Or maybe you're riding your bike, and they were holding the back of it. And before long, you were like, I can do it myself. Or maybe it was driving the car, and they were with you. And before long, you're like, I can do it myself. I wonder how many times we say this to God. We say, God, I can do this myself. I can go to work on my own. I can face this meeting on my own. And he's saying, you don't understand the battle you're in. It's an invisible battle. It's against spiritual forces of this dark world. And you can't do it on your own. On your own, you're weak. On your own, you're inadequate. You need to allow God over and over and over to strengthen you. You say, well, the doctor says I'm fine now. I can do this on my own. We're not just talking about your health. You're saying, well, you know, the relationship's fine now. I can do this on my own. We're not just talking about that relationship. We're talking about a very invisible spiritual battle that's going on in your heart, in your mind. The enemy wants to kill every good thing that God has planted. He can't. And he wants to steal every good thing that God has planted. And he can't. And he wants to destroy every good thing that is planted in you. And he can't. But you aid him, the enemy, when you start saying, I can do this on my own. Look at verse 10 one more time. The Apostle Paul says, finally, be strong. Be continually strengthened. Allow God to strengthen you. Be continually strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Now catch this, when we became believers in Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus became my life. And the power of Jesus became my power. And the truth of Jesus became my truth. And the way of Jesus became my way. And the strength of Jesus became my strength. This is at our disposal. This is what we get to go to battle with every day. This strength of the Lord. Verse 10, be strong then in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, the reality is we are strong. We are victorious. We have hitched our wagon to Jesus, the overcomer, who, though he was crucified, he rose from the grave. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. We've hitched to him, and we are victorious. But there's still a battle going on. And Paul says, let me just tell you that you need to be strong in him. Let me show you a few passages that are in your notes there. Philippians 4.13 some of you may know that one. The Apostle Paul in jail is saying this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Now, he's not talking about I can necessarily get out of jail through Christ who strengthens me. But he, in that context, he was saying this, I've had a lot at times. And I can handle a lot of good stuff through Christ who strengthens me. But I have been in very difficult situations, and I can handle that, too, through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content in any and every situation. I can do this through Christ who strengthens me. In Christ, I'm strong. Why don't you repeat that one after me? In Christ, I'm strong. This is what the Apostle Paul was saying. I can handle that. In Christ, I'm strong. When I go to him for power, when I allow him to strengthen me, I can handle that. When I allow him to strengthen me, I'm actually strong, and I can be content in any and every situation. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul is sharing to a younger Timothy, and he says, Hey, young man, let me tell you this. You need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, or this idea that you need to allow God to strengthen you. Young man, you can't do it on your own. Uh, young man, you are weak on your own. You're inadequate on your own. But if you would allow God to strengthen you, woo, good things will happen. He finishes that letter in chapter 4, and he says, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And he says this. He says, the Lord has stood by me, and he has strengthened me. I know that he has empowered me. I've allowed him to do that. And though I'm in jail and I'm about ready to die soon, my body is frail, here's what I know. I've allowed the Lord to strengthen me, and he has. He's never stopped. He's been faithful to do that. One more passage then in Hebrews chapter 11. And if you haven't read this recently, read Hebrews chapter 11. It's our hall of fame, all right? Maybe you've heard of the baseball hall of fame or the rock and roll hall of fame. But this is our faith hall of fame. And at the end of that chapter, it says there are some great heroes and they suffered and they were going through difficult times. But it says these heroes were strengthened out of weakness. They were strengthened they allowed God to strengthen them. They cried out to God, and he strengthened them. It's not that they were heroes because they were strong on their own. They weren't. They were weak. They were inadequate. They were like us. But they allowed God to strengthen them. And so our thought here is to think source, not quantity. To think where is my source coming from, not the quantity of my strength. Think spiritual, not physical. I imagine you woke up this morning, maybe your tummy was a little hungry and growling, and you said, you know what, I need some strength, so I'll eat some food, and maybe my brain's not strong, so I need some coffee to wake up, and yeah, we're, we're not talking this, we're talking about Jesus, the source being our strength, the, the, the power that raised Christ from the dead, that power is in us. To fight, because there's a fight going on. There's an enemy trying to kill and steal and destroy. So think source. Where is the source of my strength? Is it in the all-sufficient, all-powerful Jesus? Let me read some more. Go back to verse 10 with me, if you would. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I hope that scares you on some level. The scariest part of your week this next week is not what's on your planner. The scariest part is that there is a spiritual battle going on. Verse 13, he says, In light of that, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Let me stop there for a moment as he finishes with the belt of truth. He's saying life is a spiritual battle here. It's in the mind, it's in the heart, it's in the soul. There's a fight in the unseen world. You see a lot of physical ones, but he's again talking the unseen world here. And you need strength from the invisible God to fight in the invisible realm. Now what happens, he says, God's strength comes through different gifts. God has given gifts. And he says, there are different ways that I strengthen you. And he says, I I want you to put these on as though you put on clothes this morning. That was a good thing. Put these on as well because these are gifts to help, help you in this battle. And so in order to live the life that God has called me to live, one aspect of our strength comes from truth. Write this down. Truth is which is like a belt that holds everything together. He says, you have got to have truth. This is part of the strengthening that God provides. Put on the belt. Put on the belt. In order to live the life that God has called me to live, you and I needed truth. You need truth about where our strength comes from. Again, you're going to think, okay, you know what? I just need to get some more exercise in, or I probably need some more sleep. You do need those things physically. Those things are good for your brain. But you need truth on where the real battle is. And you need truth on where the real strength comes from. You and I need truth about the fact that we are victorious. You should wake up. If you are a believer in Christ, you should wake up and say, I am victorious. In Christ, I am victorious. But how many of us wake up and go, oh, I'm a loser. Uh, we, no, you need the truth to know that you are victorious in Christ. You, need, you and I need the truth to know that we are who he says we are. That's, what you, that's the truth you need to know. I am who he says I am. We sang it, get that, tune, that song on iTunes or YouTube or whatever it is, but get that song and play it. I am who he says I am. That's the truth. Because you'll go on Facebook and hear what other people think about you. Their opinion does not matter. You'll have plenty of thoughts of who you think you are. You'll have invisible or imaginary conversations of what people might be saying. Stop that. Take on the truth of who God says you are. Like, well, I'm not sure. Go back to chapter 1 and just read that. That he so loved you, that he included you into his family. That though you were dead in your sins, he, because he's rich in his mercy, he made you alive with, alive with Christ. By grace you are saved. You're this purposeful poem. Just read some of that. That's the truth of who he says you are. We are righteous in his eyes. Like, I'm not righteous. Yeah, on your own, you're right. You're not. You look in that mirror, that's not a righteous person based on what you see. But in the eyes of God, he sees you as righteous as Jesus Christ. Wow. That's the truth. We are family. Like nobody loves me. No, wait a second. You got the greatest dad of all. You've got the king of all kings as your dad. You got the best dad. That's truth. We are growing in Christ. You're like, I don't see much growth. It might be a season of fall or it might be a season of winter, but there is growth happening. You've got to know the truth. You see, you're in this spiritual battle and you need truth to strengthen you. Go to verse 14. It says, And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on this, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith 
which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You see, in order to live the life that God has called you to live, to live out these purposes, you and I need protection from wounding. You and I need protection so that we could advance. God says, I'm giving that to you. Don't try to be strong on your own. Don't just eat a good breakfast and think you're good. You come to me and put on these elements of strength. Take up faith. Say, by faith, I am a victor today. By faith, when people say terrible things about me, I know who I am in the eyes of God. By faith, you can ward off those evil darts. There is good news that you are part of Jesus' victory. That's the good foundation. To know that you are saved. To know that you are right in the eyes of God. Paul is just sharing this truth. And here's the key. You and I have to learn how to use these uh, pieces of armor. You and I have to learn how to use them. You have to learn how to use this. What's he talking about? A shield and a helmet. Well, a warrior would understand how to use those. You and I have to work on this individually. If you don't understand, ask other people. But we have to grow in the understanding of this. My dad gave me at one point a bunch of tools, and I put them in the shed in my backyard. Some of them are still in a bag. I have no idea how to use them. All right, Some of them are really nice tools. I just never learned how to use them. My dad, he saying from heaven, you dingbat, if you'd learn how to use those things, you could do some of that home repair yourself. I'm like, I, I just don't know how to use that. I wonder if our Heavenly Father's like, you got to learn how to use that. I've blessed you. I've blessed you with faith. you got to learn how to use that. I've blessed you with salvation. you got to learn how to use that. I've blessed you with my word, which is full of truth. You've got to learn how to use this. Write this down, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, before his ministry, he goes out into the desert and he is tempted by the devil. And the devil gives him temptations and the devil tempts him like, are you really the son of God? Because if you were the son of God, why would he have you out here getting all hungry by yourself for 40 days? I mean, I don't know if the God really loves you. If you're the son of God, why don't you do this? And Jesus, he, he knows the word and he says I, I know some truths man doesn't live by bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord Jesus knew the word of God and he used it as a little sword and wah! Satan runs off you and I need to use this so that we can go wah! I mean you're waking up tomorrow morning you've got all these depressing thoughts you need to spend time in the word so that you can go to Satan and go come on say it with me Man, isn't that good? you got to learn how to use this tool. Now, I'm glad that many of you are in a Bible study and many of you are in community groups and you're learning how to use this. But you're in a spiritual battle and you need protection for your strength. Let's finish with verse 18. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Have you heard the word all a few times already? Making supplication for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of his gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You see, in order to live this life that God has called us to live. Another source of strength comes from communication with God. He says, I'm going to tell you how to be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And here's another way to be strong is that you and I need to pray in all ways. You, need, you and I need to communicate with God in all ways. This isn't just saying a couple words before dinner. You're lacking a lot of strength if that's the only time you're talking to God by thanking him for a few frozen taquitos. But if you'd spend some time in communication with God, you'll find out that that is a source of strength. It's a source of strength. Verse 18, look at it with me one more time. 
praying at all times in the Spirit. Good times, sad times, discouraging times, all times. With all prayer and supplication. I'll talk about some different prayers here. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Uh, when you are struggling, when you're worn out, yeah, that's a great time to pray. Making supplication for all the saints, all the saints. You see, there are times that we are to cry out to God. Maybe you came in today and you're like, man, I'm at a time where I'm just crying out to God. Oh, he loves that. Dad loves it when you jump on his lap and you cry. Even if you complain a little bit and go, I don't understand it. And he cuddles you and he goes, I know you don't get it. Just trust me with this one. I get that you're crying out to me. That's part of prayer. Part of prayer then would be at times of thanksgiving. Times where you break out into song. Times where you just say, you are so worthy of my life. I get it again. I'm offering you this today. Times of confessing sin. Times where you say, "Ah, God, I just went this whole day on my own strength. I looked at my schedule and like, I can handle that. Confess, I was not strong in you today. Or whatever you did or whatever you did not do. Part of that is prayer. Times of confessing. Times of asking God for wisdom. Ask. That's prayer. And then times of asking on behalf of others. Asking on behalf of others. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your kids. Pray for your grandkids. Pray for me. Pray for each other. Pray for those in your community group. Pray for those that you go to school with, go to work with, in your neighborhood. Pray for those who do not know Jesus. Could, could you imagine if we would just take this seriously and pray for those that do not know the Lord? Look what he says here. He says, pray for me that words would be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim this. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go talk to a bunch of people who don't know Jesus. So pray for me. Pray for them that God would open the eyes of their heart. And he's saying this because life is a battle. And God strengthens us through prayer. One application I want you to see for us this week is that we are going to have a week of prayer. If you look in your worship program, there's another insert front and back that says week of prayer. It's a prayer guide. All right, now that you see it, put it down, please, so you can hear me out for the last few seconds. I just want to make sure you knew where that was. I want you to go to battle this week. I want you to go to battle because honestly, sometimes we we forget that we're in one and we don't do battle very well. But I want you to pray. And I want you to pray by yourself. I want you to pray with your family. I want you to pray together with your peeps, your group, whatever it might be. But I want you to pray because this is where we find strength, but this is where we go to battle as well. This will give you a good excuse, husbands, to pray with your wives, parents to pray with your kids. Pray this week. We've given you something each day, a reading to read and prayers. We've talked about on that piece of paper some of our global ministry partners. Pray for them that when they open their mouth, they would be able to boldly speak the gospel. Pray for each other. Pray for our family. Use this as a source that God will strengthen you. It might be that you cry out and he goes, I'll strengthen you. And it might be that you confess your sins and he says, I'll forgive you and strengthen you. And it might be asking for wisdom and directions. He says, I'll give you direction and strengthen you. But this week, let's go to battle. Because we can't live out these purposes. You can't be completely worshiping God unless you understand that there is a battle. You're going to have a hard time connecting with family when you get blinded by the battle. And it's difficult to grow when you don't understand that there's a battle. And serving will seem like, ah, I don't know that I want to do that. Yeah, there's a battle. To live missionally, it's a battle. Let's pray this week. Would you bow your heads and reflect for a moment with me? Consider that you're in a battle.
but that God is with you and empowering you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this letter that we've been going through for a couple months. Thank you for the truth in it. And thank you for the picture that we're in a battle. And the good news is that we have hitched ourselves to Jesus Christ, the victorious one. And in one sense, we've already won. The outcome's already been determined we've won. So we, we are grateful for that. But it doesn't mean that the enemy isn't trying to make us ineffective and trying to discourage us. And I pray for my brothers and sisters today who, because we get discouraged and we just lose sight of the battle. And we kind of think that there's no hope and we lose sight of our Savior. And I ask God that you would strengthen us. We would allow you to strengthen us. Even right now, I just ask, my brothers and sisters would say, I need you to strengthen me, Lord. I need you to strengthen me, Lord. Today, the rest of the day, tomorrow, this week, even if it might look like an easy week, I need you because I don't know everything that's happening in this battle. So God, would you make us humble to realize that on our own, we can't do this. You told us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In the strength of your might. And so we need you. I ask this week that you would cause us to be prayer warriors. That you would cause us to take steps in this. That we would communicate with you. That we would do this often. And God, would you give us a glimpse of this battle and would you show us some of the victories in this battle and would you cause us to even share with one another some of the ways that we can pray for each other and support each other as family? So help us to get in this fight with you and to find our strength from you for we need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking this journey with us as we discover our purpose as children of God. Join us again next week as we enter a new sermon series called A Season of Grace.